0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, your Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Others, after them and before them, to, including his called pastors today, to expound on the word of God, which basically states to us God's absolute right to be worshipped by his creation. Do you understand that? God has a right to be worshipped by his creation. Do you think it's possible that there are people out there who are created by God that will say God doesn't have a right to that? Come on. Do you think there are people that believe that God doesn't have a right to that? Of course you do. They prove it every day. Even if they don't think it, they prove it. Amen? Because we're all about ourselves. And not everybody believes in God. Also, not everybody proves their belief in God by their practice of serving God. Amen? This is true. Okay? So I'm just the the messenger here. You can be angry with me all you want. You can dislike what I'm saying. But I'll tell you this. It isn't my words. It's His. God is saying, I demand it. I expect it. This is what I desire and I demand from you, and I created you. Of course, there are going to be people out there saying, oh, there's no God that created humanity. (laughs) I know otherwise. Do you know otherwise? All you have to do is see the miracle of recreation of life that God allowed us to do, and you can't tell me there's no God. Anybody? Come on. Let's be honest here. So that's what I'm talking about. So it relates to us in that regard. And not only us as humans, not only do humans... Do you hear what I said? Not only do humans have to worship God, not only does does He demand that, but He demands that all creation worships Him. Well, how in the world does all creation worship God? Simple. By being what God created them to be. There are limits in what God has given creation. Do you understand that? God has limited what they're able to do. You look at them as a commodity. We look at them as animate or inanimate objects. We look at them as just things that are. And God says, no, they're creation. I made them. The Bible tells us all these things He created. Amen? He created everything you see. Everything. He did it. Or He gave you the ability to create it through what He already created. Yes or no? Okay, this is clear. The Bible says so. So, (laughs) all God has created, he demands worship him. Now remember, Jesus said that the people wouldn't worship him, that the rocks would cry out. You remember that? Now friends, I've never heard a rock cry out. And I'm going to tell you, if I do, I'm going to go get checked by somebody. (laughs) Because I've never seen that happen before. Have you ever heard a rock talk? I haven't. And don't look at other people and say, well, I know one over here. <laughs> no, let's be nice, okay? You know what we're talking about here. Jesus said the rocks would cry out. Friends, you and I have never seen it, but is it possible? Yes, the, the Christ said that rocks would cry out. They would speak of his sovereignty. And they would proclaim him to the master of the universe. Wow. When would that happen? If humans wouldn't. Does that mean it's possible and that all creation does worship God in some manner? Yes. And if they don't cry out in a manner way we understand, they do so by being what they are as God created them to be. Now that's probably a sermon for another day. Amen. We have those sometimes. And I know some of you are like, I'd like to have that one today. How does all of creation worship God in their own way when they're not human? Well, maybe we'll talk about that on Wednesday night or something. But friends, that's, that's a compelling thought process, isn't it, pastors? Would you agree? That's a compelling thing. Guys, yeah? Okay, sure. They said sure. <laughs> so the Bible indicates that creation already worships God. We just don't understand the depth of that. But anyway, let's dig into this thing of true worship. First of all, notice here that King David went into the temple to worship. Why is that significant? Well, simple. He recognized the necessity of being in God's house. You see that? There's a lot of people today that think they can be believers but not ever step in to God's house. I don't have to go to church to be a believer. Wrong answer. Yes, you do. Well, I can argue. Well, you can argue all you want. But that's your thoughts, not God's. God never said that. God has never said, you can believe in me and never go to church or go when you want to. I've heard Christian after Christian, in quotes, tell me, I'm a believer. I believe. I understand. But I, I, I don't believe I have to be in, in somebody's fellowship. <laughs> you can believe in anything you want. The Bible says otherwise. Can you prove it? Sure can. Every day and twice on Sunday. (laughs) It's a fact. But again, do we want to believe that? No, we don't. Again, because we want to what? Believe we want to believe? to To do what we want to do. And so we believe a lot of things that aren't true. I've heard people talk, and I've heard people stand up and be passionate about something they believe in. But that doesn't make it so. Amen? The harder you scream, or the more adamant you are about it, doesn't make it any more so. Just because... You're animated about it, or you're passionate about it, or you're, you're invoking emotion into it. Sometimes we think that, you know, if we say something and people don't listen, if we start, we get up on a soapbox and we start talking louder, and then we start talking louder, then we start screaming, and waving our hands, that somehow it makes it more true. No, it doesn't. It just means you're trying to convince people that it is. Right? Amen? Okay, this is humanity. You can look at it in politics. Don't tell me that there aren't two sides that do the exact same thing. Both 100% believe in what their cause is and what their belief system is. Doesn't make them both right, does it? Abraham Lincoln said it best. He looked out at the Battle of Bull Run and he said, two completely different peoples with different principles under the same God. Both believe to the core of who they are. That they are right in their belief system and willing to die for it, but only one can win. And even so, he continued, we don't write, look at much of this, we only read the first part. Second part, he said, and even so, the victor won't necessarily be right. Wow! Now, you may have won the battle, but that doesn't make you right. Amen? You see, we get this idea that somehow humanity gets to determine what's right and what's not. No. The only entity, according to Scripture, that determines what's right and what's not is God. Period. We don't like that very much. Why? Because it takes the control and decision away from us. And let's face it, we're a self-centered people. Anybody in here believe that society's not self-centered anymore? Who believes it's not? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it is. And so, of course, we think we're right. Now, the psalmist in King David worshipped in Jerusalem, which is the city of David. And you have to understand that when he talks about Zion here, that's just another name for Jerusalem. It's the Jerusalem that's going to be when heaven comes down. It'll be renamed Zion. You understand? It's the holy mountain. And a lot of people don't understand that. That's also a sermon for... Yeah. We'll get that to that maybe. But anyway, the Temple of Solomon was built on this holy mountain. And, and this magnificent temple... Uh, always contained uh, the Ark of the Covenant and it had the cherubim, the Bible says, on either side. Now, we know that from several scriptures that teach us that. Now, the Ark was often referred to as the throne of God or God's throne, but you couldn't touch it because if you did, you died. Now, that was, that's true until after the birth of Christ. Well, technically that's true, but until the resurrection of Christ, for sure. Okay? I'm not going to get into that. That's also a sermon for... Yeah, or at least at least, at least least a lesson for another day. Now, it was considered the holy of holies, the holiest place on earth. It would be the inner sanctum of the temple, and that's where it was located, after the temple of God was built. And only the high priest could enter into it, and only one time a year. Okay? And he went in there to atone for the sins of the people in prayer. And they always tied a rope around him, because if he went in there and died, they had to be able to drag him out. Because they couldn't go in and get it, because they would die. Yeah, and then you just have a pile of priests in there, never come out, <laughs> and that's not good. You know what? That, that would be bad. So they, that's how they did it, because that's what God said. Now, of course, that's changed when the the temple curtain was ripped in half when Jesus died and went to Hades for the the days he was there. Then, when he arose again, that opened the inner sanctum of worship to all peoples, and God became ours because Christ was in the form of God as a human on earth, and he would be through his spirit still. You understand that? So that's why things changed. But it was the place to where God came to be among the people. And, of course, that was before the birth of Christ, and after Christ, that all changed. Now, after this, God lived among his people, Jesus as a human, yeah, and then after his ascension through the Holy Spirit, which resides in all believers. Now, we all understand that, yeah? Everybody in here knows that God is still on earth, by Spirit, in dwelling in every believer. Yes or no? When you get saved and you open up your heart, Christ comes in by His Spirit and lives within you. Yes or no? Okay. So that's how he he said, I will live among my people. I will be their God. They will be my people. Yes, Yes, he did it as God the Father in the Old Testament. In the beginning of the New, he did it through Christ the Son as a human. And then he did it after his ascension by his Spirit. And therefore, the Trinity has always been... With humanity since creation. Yes, Pastor Bob? Okay, so you have to understand where this is coming from. Now, this is why our worship today is even more significant than it was in the Old Testament. Because can you understand, can you grasp a little bit here why worship is so important? I mean, if he's living inside of you and you don't worship him properly, the question is, is he really there? You see. Is he really there it's a tough but deeply important question now David recognized the necessity of God to be with his people and he recognized his necessity to also be with God's people God's people ought to be with God's people who are God's people well at one time it was a nation of Israel but now who is it the nation of Israel This anybody who's a believer in Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah? Yes? Of course. You become a Jew by association by believing in Christ. Yeah? So you are God's chosen people. Kings and priests, he said. (coughs) Separated from the world of corruption when you enter into his kingdom. And that is a moment of choice that you make. Amen? We often think it's at death. No. You enter into the kingdom of God well before that. Yeah. And so I used to have it on when I when I would do funerals on the boat, and I would say, "Entered into heaven as their date of death." No, I've taken it out of there because that's not you entered into heaven, friends, the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? And so that's what we have to understand. Now, many of the fellow citizens, along with David and other parts of the nation, made these huge pilgrimages, these huge journeys into Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And Jesus himself even made a trip to Jerusalem when he was about 12 years old, we think. Might have been 11, but around that area, okay? And he worshiped at the rebuilt temple known as Herod's Temple. If you do your research, you'll see what I'm talking about. And we find the story in Luke 2. Now, I understand that it's true that God is not confined to one building or one location or any one particular place. No, that's true. But it's also true that houses of worship that we call the church today or the church buildings are set aside for the one noble purpose, friends, of believers congregating together at a particular time or times in order to worship God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we are there to do. In fact, we do so to exalt Him and also proclaim His Word. That's why we're here. Now, this is kind of deep for some of us, but we have to get it here today. And here's the deal. It slams the door on anybody saying that they believe in Christ but don't need to be in church. And I'm not going to hammer on that today. I'm just going to tell you that's a fact. And unfortunately, there's this massive movement, and the enemy, it's always been there, but the enemy has used COVID and other types of things like COVID in order to make us believe somehow that we don't have to be amongst God's fellowship. Not true. Now, here's the deal. I know, friends. Please, if you have to stay home because of health concerns, friends, you should absolutely do that. I have no problem with that. In fact, I encourage you to do it. Okay? You understand that? But there are people who are using it as a crutch and a reason not to go anymore. And it just gives them one more. They didn't really need one because they had others. But this one probably is a better one. It's more convincing. You know what, friends? I'm not going to tell you what you should do. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And serving the Lord means I'm with God's fellowship as much as I health, health-wise and legally and rightfully can be. That's what I'm going to do. Why? Because he demands it of me. And you know what? I don't feel right when I'm not in church. Do you? How many of you miss church and something, something's missing, something wrong? Anybody? Yeah. You miss it for a few weeks, and you're like, man, i just, I got to get back to church. Huh? You know what's, what makes me a little nervous is when people don't miss it. Right? And when they don't miss it. Again, it makes me wonder what's really in here. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to want to be in his house of worship amongst his people in fellowship with his believers. Yes or no? The Bible's clear that this is true. Now, again, you can believe whatever you want. You can say it's good. You can say it's bad. Whatever, but the fact is, this is true. We desire to be with God's people, and so this idea that you don't have to be there is completely false. Because God clearly expects us to be in church with His people. Now I know that this stuff happens. There's going to be things that happen. You know, there's going to be times that you're not going to go. There were times, uh, and I and I told the church board uh, years ago when uh, when my boys were in sports, and my girls were in band and sports and stuff like that. Listen, there are going to be times on a Sunday or a Wednesday that maybe I won't be in church, even as the pastor, because I am a father. And I need to be in my kids' things. I'm not going to make a habit of it, but there might be a wrestling meet or two on a Wednesday night that I'm going to miss church. And most everybody was okay with that. There might have been a few that didn't like it, but it is what it is. But I didn't make a habit of that, kids. I know you're going to miss church sometimes. I get it. But when it becomes a habit, and it's more of a convenience to you than anything else, now we got a problem. And, you're, and your argument isn't with me. It's with him. Amen? I mean, I'm just being honest. Yeah. You're, you tell God that. Uh, there's a ridiculous movie out there called Vacation. You guys remember that? Yeah. And uh, there's one scene where uh, Clark isn't being completely honest, and he, and he tells Rusty, you know, this story about what he was doing and why he was doing it, and Rusty nods his head, and he doesn't make an argument. And all of a sudden, he says, you think Mom will buy it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, I want to ask you, do you think God's going to buy it? It's, it, it stuns me what bill of goods we try to sell God. Anybody? Yeah. Wow. You're, like, you're only trying to fool yourself, not him. You know. And sometimes all we want to do is fool ourselves, because then we feel like we have no responsibility to make it right. Isn't that stunning? We'll tell ourselves anything to believe what we want so that we can do what we want. Right? That's, that's humanity. And I don't think you can argue that. You can try, but good luck. I'm just saying that's humanity. I know it. And if you live long enough, you'll know it too. So here's the deal. The Bible calls your Christianity and belief into question if you think you don't need to be in church and God's fellowship. So you remember that the next time you miss and why you did it. That's all I'm saying. Again, this is what David is trying to say. Secondly, being with God's people in worship of him brings affirmation to ourselves with like-minded believers. It brings affirmation. And it brings affirmation to those worshiping with us. Now, again, we've mistakenly believed for years that our music is our worship to God, and it is not. (laughs) Somebody's gonna get upset when they hear this. Because the music in their their worship service is the most important thing they go to church for. Yeah? If that's what gets you fired up, and what makes you feel good, I'm, I'm glad it does. But that is not your worship, kids. That's only part of it. That's only part of your worship. Paul doesn't mention music at all when he says this is your reasonable act of worship. Music has got nothing to do with it, but that's what we've made it. We even call it that, worship. And when we think of worship, we think when the worship team or the band gets together and they start leading us to songs, that's worship. No, you're still worshiping right now. You worship the moment you walked in the front door. You worship when you decided in your mind to be here today. That's why you're here. Yeah? Every act of service is worship. Every thought toward God is worship. You understand that? Why? Even if it's good or bad, it's worship. Why? Because your thoughts are toward Him, and you are acknowledging He is sovereign and He's God. That's worship. Again, people struggle with that, but that's what it is. And here's the deal. The music that you sing in church isn't for you. Somebody going, what? <laughs> what? No. It never has been for you. Who are you singing the praises to? Yeah. So what where are you in this equation? Your personal preference, preference to style of music, has nothing to do with the worship of God. Zero. You're singing it to Him anyway. Now I, I gotta tell you, if we if we based You know, I I don't, I don't, a lot of you like country. Who likes country music in here? Who, keep your hands up. Look around, see where they are. Who likes country music? I'm not going to pick on you. Well, a little bit. Okay, so (laughs) I don't like country music. Not even this much. At all. It doesn't do a thing for me. But the deal is, some of the music that I grew up on that I like, which was, you know, I like 80s music, and a lot of you think, I don't understand a thing of that. I get it. I understand. And I, it was a phase. But some of you never got out of the country phase. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, here's the deal. Okay? You can like anything you want. I don't care what music you like. The music's got nothing to do with the lyrics. Okay? And I, I'm never going to direct our worship team to change our bass into country-style worship music because I, I, I'm not going to like it. I can tell you right now. But the fact of the matter is, if that's what we did and the lyrics praise the Lord, then it's worship to Him. Either way. Do you understand what I'm saying? So whether we use a piano or an organ or uh, uh, whatever we do, or some churches have no instrumental at all. It's just words. It's to worship. Because you're singing praises to Him. I personally probably wouldn't like a worship that had no instruments, to be honest with you. But some churches do it every single worship service. That's what they do. Friends, the music isn't for you. It's personal preference. It's not you. It's worship of Him. And when we don't like the style of music and we do this and we sit there and pout in the pew or say, I'm not going back there again. What are you doing? Now, this isn't for you, maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it's for somebody listening. I don't know. But it's got to be sad. I don't want us to miss what worship is here. True worship isn't singing worship songs. Singing worship songs of any sort are part of your reasonable act of worship toward God. That's what true worship is. And not only that, when you sing unto the Lord, you're singing unto the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, that's so simple. Not your own feelings. If you're singing for your feelings, you're not worshiping Him. You're worshiping at your own altar to yourself. Gosh, we don't want to hear that. That, that. that kind of stings a little, doesn't it? Because I'll bet some of us in here, maybe all of us at one time, have kind of done that. Have been so adamant about the style of worship that we want, the style of music we sing, that it's clouded who we're singing to and why. Amen? So we have, to, we have to bring that out. And yet I understand the music sets the tone for our moods. How many of you can have your mood changed by music sometimes? Anybody? Yeah. And that's because that, it, it strikes a part of us. I get it. Okay? As well as our worship. But your presence in church is your worship. And the songs you sing are only part of your worship to God. And the writer set a time, worship to the Lord here which is King David. He set aside time to worship the Lord. And again, worship is spending time with God and exalting Him through prayer and your time with Him. It might be through your service, witnessing to other people, teaching, preaching, connecting, or some uh, uh, correcting, and sometimes being corrected. Do you know that being corrected is part of your worship? And we don't want to be corrected, do we? I don't like to be corrected. Do you like to be corrected? Billy, you like being corrected? Yeah, like but you like it? <laughs> Do you like it? Not so much. much. Who in here loves being corrected? Ask your kids, I bet they don't. Anybody? See, we don't like being corrected, but when we're corrected in the Word, that's our worship. You see, when you accept the rebuke and the correctness of who's correcting you, guess what? That's part of your worship. Now, you might go, "Mm," but it's true. You see, that's, it is. And so to me, I'm like, wow. So worship of the Lord is being about His business just as Jesus was about His business. Now, we're going to have to make being in His church with other Christians part of it as well as doing it outside of His church. Amen? Your worship is in and out. And it isn't about the music you sing. It's about doing all the things that God's demanded of you. Again, if you're sick, stay home. If you could get desperately ill or lose your life because you expose yourself because of low immunities or whatever. Just stay home. Be safe. But don't use an excuse, and don't you make the decision on whether it's an excuse or not. Let God do that. Because God wants you to be safe too. But he also wants you in a fellowship of his people. Because when you're not, something changes within. And the devil's got you separated, and now he's got you. And so, we we'll want be careful with that. Secondly, King David recognized God's holiness. Did you know that God is holy? See, we say it all the time, but I don't think we know it. God is holy. The psalmist used the refrain three times, he is holy. Now, the Hebrew word is kadosh. Can you say it? Kadosh. And it's not really kadosh, it's kadosh. <laughs> yeah, kadosh. Can you say it? Kadosh. Kadosh. <laughs> yeah. That's a Hebrew word. And it means to separate or be set apart. And so when we're separated from the rest of the world, which is unbelievers, this includes also those who don't follow or obey God's commands. There's lots of people that say they believe in God, but they don't follow His commands. That doesn't make them a believer. Hmm? Can I prove that? Yes, I can. The Bible says that the demons also believe. Are they followers of God? No. Well, they're not humans. doesn't make a difference. So you understand, your belief system means nothing to God. He wants to know if you're going to follow Him. When you follow Him, that proves your belief. Yes? Hello? Okay. I want to make sure you're with me here. Okay. You have to obey God's commands in order to be a believer. Of course, we don't believe that either. We're back to belief again, aren't we? So, that's the way it works. But it includes those who don't follow obey God's commands. And it means that we're standing and living within the Lord. When you do that, you're a believer. Now, this makes us separate from the rest of the world, just as God is. Is God part of the world? No. But he lives in it through his creation. Agreed? Okay. We'll make sure you're on the same page with me. So, the holiness of God means that he is removed from the imperfections of humanity. Do you grasp that? God is removed from the imperfections of humanity. Are humans imperfect? Yes. In our own right, we are. In Him, we're presented perfect. We can be perfect in this world. Because if we, if we can't be, then what Jesus did at Calvary was in, incomplete. But John Wesley said he believed in Christian perfection. He believed every Christian could be perfect in this world, on this earth. But he didn't think anybody ever would. Because nobody could follow Jesus or has followed Jesus to the depth that would make us so. Amen? That makes us imperfect until we're presented. But when we're presented, because He's in us and we're believers, are we presented perfect? Yes, we are. So that's what imperfection is, being not completely like God in every regard. The fact of the matter is, God is above us and He's greater than we are. Do you, do you b- believe and agree with that statement? Okay. Now, unfortunately, humans want to equate God with humanity. And so we try to use our own human understanding, our own human feelings, our own human rationale in order to figure God out. We equate ourselves with Him. We're not equals to God. Jesus said you would be as a brother or sister of Him when you're presented to the Father. But until then, no, you are not. In fact, the Bible says we are created a little lower than the angels. But when we are resurrected, or, or when we are transformed into the new heavenly body, what happens? Now, we're a God's creation that's above the angels and God's greatest creation. Yes or no? Yes! This is not that theologically tough to understand. But a lot of people just don't know it. And I think we've missed the boat in not teaching it. Either way, that's what this means. Okay? You cannot be equated with God as a human because God is not human. He's God. The Bible says when we see Him, we shall be like Him. But until then, we're not. Not unless you choose to be. You understand that? You can choose to be like Him on this earth, but you're not automatically like Him. When you're you're resurrected or transformed, now you shall be like Him. Yeah? Yeah? Real simple, the Bible's clear about that. Now, theologians have written about the sovereignty of God as one way to explain His divine nature. Now, unlike us, He is perfect in the attributes of righteousness and goodness. This is the reason that we worship Him, because that's why Jesus said, Be like me in every way. Why? Because I am like the Father in every way. Amen? Now, when we come into the presence of a holy God, it changes whatever attitude we have into one of reverence. We can't be in God's presence without seeing the holiness of God. Anybody with me here? You can't be in His presence without seeing who God is. Every, in every instance of the Bible where somebody came into the presence of God, it clearly changed them. Do you ever notice that when you read it? It clearly changed them. And every one of them bowed down and worshipped Him. Why? Well, simply because they saw God as to who He is. Who He really is. And they also saw the difference between God and humanity. And at that time, it was a huge chasm, this huge distance between humanity and God. Why? Because humanity chose to be. At the fall, humans decided to separate and be apart from God. Yes or no? Yes, they did. And every single one of us after that has decided to do it in some manner or a way. And the longer we go in this thing until Jesus comes, the fact, and even after that, by the way, There's got to be a massive gap, and it's going to grow between humanity and God. You can see it in your own nation. You can see it in your own nation. When this nation largely followed God, and we prayed in our schools, and most everybody went to church, and almost everybody sought God, we were a different nation than we are now. Yes or no? You can see the gap widening and going the wrong direction. Everybody can. Everybody can. I don't care which side of Kyle Rittenhouse you're on. Or any of the other ones out there, by the way. I don't care which side you're on. I really don't. The fact of the matter is, there was a time in America that would never have happened. Ever. Because we were more united because we served the same God. Now, we don't serve God. There's, there's a, an awful lot more to this than you think. This thing right here could fix every single problem we have right now if everybody did it. did it. How do I know? I watched it happen, and I watched it unravel when we got away from it. You can say it's this. You can say it's that. No, it's getting away from here. Yes or no? If you don't believe me, that's okay. You don't agree with me, that's fine. Call me. Let's get together and talk about it because I'm telling you, that's what it is. But again, do we want to believe that? No, because we want it to be what we want to make it. We can't. We've gotten away from the sovereignty of God. That's why the chasm is there. And this is why Jesus came, to bridge the gap, to destroy the chasm. But he can't do it unless we surrender and become completely obedient to the word of God and God's commands. In fact, God's holiness demands our acknowledgment of his sovereignty. You see, God's holiness demands at least two things from us who worship Him. First, like those in Scripture who came into the presence of God, we bow before Him to acknowledge His greatness. Bowing puts Him above us as He is. Just as David said in verse 5 and 9, we desire to obey Him. So, we look and we seek after his commands and learn to obey them, just as Moses, Aaron, and Samuel did. God says they did. He called them out right here. He said they did. Did they always? No. But by and large they did. And when they didn't, God you know, a little bit, dusted them off and said, Come on, let's get back on, let's get back on, get back in the saddle. And let's face it, I've fallen in the dirt a few times. Anybody? And God's always right there with the hand saying, Yeah, I know you screwed up. Come on. You want to, right? Yeah, okay. Then I forgive you. Anybody been there? Mm -hmm. So this is how it works. We desire to obey him. We seek after his commands. We learn to obey them. This doesn't mean that these three guys live perfect lives, but it does mean that they sought to be genuine servants of the one and true God. And the question is, do you? Do we? The fact is, the more like Jesus we become, the closer to perfect we get. Yeah? Stunning how that works. It's been said by very wise Christians that it's not the number of people who come to worship, but the kind of people who leave the worship that matters. Oh my goodness. We might want to post that somewhere. Pastor Jonathan, if you're listening up there, you might want to post that. We should probably put that somewhere. It's not the number of people who come to worship, but the kind of people who leave the worship. That matters. That's why in the Acts we find that when people came into contact with the early apostles, they took note that these people had been with Jesus. Because when you're with Jesus, things change. It changes me that day, that instant. Anybody? I've had a poor attitude, got into the word of God, and guess what? Boy, did I change. I had no choice. I realized what a fool I was being. Anybody been there? Anybody admit you've been a fool here or there? Mm Mm-hmm. See, God, God, not, not concerned that you were a fool. He wants you to come out of being one. Anybody? Yeah. Friends, we're so caught up in how many actually come to church that we've missed the whole meaning of worship. Yeah, I'd like to see more people here, but not for the reasons that you think. Just so we can reach them. And they can be part of our fellowship. and We can be more effective. Not to boost numbers and look good. Anybody? I would rather pastor a small group of true believers than a huge group of people on the fence. Anybody with me here? Fact? Not interested in that. Don't want fence walkers. Other than to pull them on our side. But I don't really have to do that because Jesus will draw them there, if they're serious. You can't help but be drawn to him. Anybody here with me? You with me here? You see, worship should result in deeper commitment of our lives to God or it falls short of his purpose. That's why singing song isn't really what worship is. Worship involves singing, but it's really the matter of your heart and attitude that makes the difference. Lastly, King David shared a word of hope. He said God is righteous. God's law demands obedience. That's what worship is, obedience. And when we're disobedient, God's standards demand satisfaction. Punishment is and always will be in order. You understand that? When I, I don't know about how it is today in parenting, I'm, and I'm grateful that I don't have to parent much except for when I have my grandkids here and there, and on occasion, my adult children. You still, you still, you still have to parent them. They, you, you never stop being a parent. You know that, right? I think we screwed up there, too, but that's a sermon for another day. Either way, you know, every one of you, if you have kids, I don't care how old they are, you want to choke them once in a while, right? No, I, that never stops. <laughs> and I'm sure that my, my dad probably still wants to choke me once in a while. But here's the deal, friends. When you screw up, punishment is in order. We've decided today that we don't have to punish. God never said that. And I'm not here to talk about kids and punishment. What I'm here to talk about is God's going to give you some. Now, God will punish us when we're disobedient. He doesn't do it today like he did it in the Old Testament. God punished people uh, for their sinfulness and disobedience in the Old Testament. That's true. When Jesus came, he took that punishment upon himself for all time. Didn't he? didn't Jesus take your punishment and the punishment of all people on himself? Of course he did. That's what the cross was for. The Bible tells us that God's punishment for this perverse generation, and that's what he calls it, perverse, his punishment comes at judgment. But that day will come when God says it will. And until then, God is giving us time to correct our disobedience. And you know what? Aren't you glad he's given us time to do that? Aren't you glad he's given time to others to correct their disobedience? Because I am. Because when Jesus comes, that's it. Now, could you be forgiven if you miss the rapture? Yes. But Jesus said you won't want to see what you'll go through. We're not talking about that today, but that's a fact. You see, God chooses to draw near to us. One way he has made himself accessible is by establishing a moral law for our benefit. Now, you can agree with it, disagree with it. It's up to you. But God has established it. His law teaches us the path of righteousness so that our lives can and will be blessed because we're with him. We walk with him in obedience. And further, he invites us to service. Service of him. Moses, Aaron, and Samuel are the Old Testament heroes of faith, and there's others that aren't even mentioned here, that the rest of the Bible does. They worship God. They obeyed Him. And we, too, are invited to walk with Him in service. His promise is that He will never abandon us. We can live in fellowship with Him on this earth, and we should. But when we compromise or disobey His commandments, you are not in fellowship with him. You cannot be. And I believe the day is coming that there will be very few in percentage who actually do fellowship with God against those that don't. And when that happens, God's going to tell the Christ, go get him. Anybody with me here? It's going to happen. Now, this doesn't mean we won't fall and we don't mess up. Lord knows I mess up. When I hear people say I sin every day, well, I don't know, friends. If you're sinning every day, something might be wrong. Hmm? Could be that what you think a sin isn't, or it could mean that there's something wrong with your Christianity. Either way, I don't think we should sin every day. But if you do, you ought to ask for forgiveness. You ought to correct it, and you ought to not sin next time. Yeah, that's what he says. But what it does mean here is that the deeper in God we grow, the less mess-ups we're going to have. That's the point. It means our attitudes resemble the attitude that Jesus displayed. It means we understand God more and more. And even when we don't understand God, and let's face it, we don't understand God a lot. We still acknowledge that He is God. Yeah? And that's that. He's God. And you don't get a question in like that. But... I think God doesn't really have a problem with us questioning him. Let me let me, let me me clarify that. Now, I'm, I'm about done here. He doesn't have a problem with us questioning him as long as it is simply questioning in order to understand him better so that we can, so that we can be obedient. If, if we're questioning God to try to understand, I, I, don't, I don't think God has a problem with that. But if you're questioning God because you don't like it or don't agree with it, you don't get to do that Oh, we've done it and a lot of people in the scripture did it too but when they realized over time and God's pretty good at making sure you know he wants restoration yeah he provides it if you want it but when you continue to question him and disagree with him well you can't be restored and that's the chasm between you and God and that's what's happened in the world and that's why God's ways are not the world's ways. Yeah? In the world's ways, if they're not God's ways, whose ways are they? Well, they're Satan's ways. And there's people that argue with that, too. But you can't argue it. It's good and bad. When he comes, you're either in or out. You're found in him or you're not. Yes or no? If you're in, you're his. If you're not, you aren't. That's how he's going to do it. Sheep and goats, yes or no? No middle of the road. But we want there to be a middle of the road. No, there's not. Some churches even say that there is one. You can pray them out of there. No. The Bible doesn't give any credence to that. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying that there isn't any credence to it. So the fact of the matter is, when we question God because we think we know better, or we could do better than He does, that's insubordination, and it becomes disobedience. Yeah? You don't want to hear it, maybe, but that's the reality of things. And I would rather know the truth Then believe a lie. Anybody? Okay. Now, that could be a problem for us if we're doing it. But thankfully, God offers restoration even from that. But surrender still has to take place. And obedience can never happen if we aren't surrendered to God's authority. And yet, God is merciful and He is forgiving. And I'm grateful that He is. When we fall, is God disappointed? Yes. But when we ask for forgiveness, He smiles and He grants it. But he expects you to correct it and stop. Anybody? And not only that, he doesn't make us pay the penalty for our transgression. That's what, that's what grace is. That's what grace is. Mercy is offering forgiveness. Grace is taking the penalty so you don't have to. We've used grace as a license to do whatever we want. No, it was never designed for that. In fact, I'll say it again. Grace does not cover willful sinful disobedience now it does if you don't know it's sinful and it does i believe the bible says if god knows your heart and you're trying to change it but when you're telling god talk to hand or have no intention doesn't cover it it's disobedience and it's willful and your argument isn't with me it's with god we better get a handle on this pretty ricky-tick my friends But here's the deal. You don't have to pay the penalty for your transgression only if you belong to him. If you are truly sorry for what you've done. And if you desire to determine to do your best to not repeat it. Yeah. And as our worship team comes, and Scotty, please. God's people are called to worship him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Amen. Listen, look, look up here. This is true. God's people are called to worship Him. Our styles of worship are unique since churches worship in different ways. I get it. But whatever the expression of our worship, the principles remain the same. God is holy. We must humble ourselves before Him. We rejoice in His faithful love and we commit ourselves in service as Moses did, Aaron did, and Samuel did. And anything else we do is for us, not God. But you're not here to worship you or anybody else. When we worship based on our own personal experiences or preferences, it isn't about God. It's about us. Now, you know I pick on churches that have smoke machines and stuff like that and theatrics. Because to me... (laughs) But if that's what they have to do to reach people, okay, as long as the message gets them off of that and toward Him. You understand that? I don't care, I don't think God cares what you use to draw people into his presence, as long as it becomes about him. Amen? And those things can be tools, and that's great. But when personal preference gets in the way of it being about him, now we have a serious problem. It isn't about smoke machines, it's about your attitude. It's about right here. And when we do it, this is not true worship, and guess what? God doesn't care for it at all. He'd rather you didn't do it at all. He'd rather you never even started. So choose today to worship the Lord as God wishes to be worshipped. Now, friends, every one of us likes people to do things for us. I heard a story a long time ago of a man who used to hurt his wife because he liked some certain kind of food in a manner way that his mother made it. And try as she could, she couldn't get it right. And he always complained it wasn't like mom's. Well, well, she's not mom. (laughs) But here's the deal. That woman tried and tried and tried to please him as best she could. In the end, she wasn't his mother. I heard another story about the same type of thing. Where there was a guy who wanted to please his wife. And other people. But he always tried to please them in manners and ways that he liked. Not what they wanted. Or what they desired. Or what was their preference. And I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. And that might be one thing when you do it with people. But when you do it toward God, you got a serious problem. And i got news for you. You can't do it for other people if you won't do it toward Him. Remember what Rick Warren said in the first line of his book purpose-driven life, it's not about you. Today's not about you, it's about Him. Tomorrow, not about you, it's about Him. And if you make it about you, that is not worship. It doesn't matter what songs you're singing, doesn't matter what your attitude is, it's not about Him. So make it about Him starting now. That, my friends, is true worship. Amen? Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.